call it a choice if you make the people choose. Can't see the damage done unless it leaves a bruise. Just admit it, a loss without a clue. Caught up in a story with no conclusion. We just embrace the illusion. It's not what's known as what's proven. I guess none of us know what we're doing. Chasing ambitious delusions. Chasing ambitious delusions. We're chasing ambitious delusions. We're chasing ambitious delusions. Life is a journey, but for most it's probably been a fight. It's like a hall of mirrors with no end in sight. No matter how much you try, you can't lend your sight. There's somebody that is blind and can't see the light. My daughter wonders why her daddy stays up half the night. Her mama wonders why I barely have an appetite. Some people wonder why I play the keys and grab the mic. Well, my attraction to the stage is almost magnet-like. A story with no Conclusion. We just embrace the illusion. It's not what's known as what's proven. I guess none of us know what we're doing. Chasing ambitious delusions. Chasing ambitious delusions. We're chasing ambitious delusions. We're chasing ambitious delusions. Every day I'm face to face with my mortality Mom and dad tell me stay strong and that they're proud of me Walk out the door now a victim police brutality It's no exaggeration, it's more like reality They asked if I could move away, would I probably Been searching for a better place, I know it's gotta be Maybe delusions and maybe it's just a child in me But somehow I need to get this anger out of me A story with no Conclusion. We just embrace the illusion. It's not what's known as what's proven. I guess none of us know what we're doing. Chasing ambitious delusions. Chasing ambitious delusions. We're chasing ambitious delusions. We're chasing ambitious delusions. Story with no conclusion. We just embrace the illusion. It's not what's known as what's proven. I guess none of us know what we're doing. Chasing ambitious delusions. Chasing ambitious delusions. We're chasing ambitious delusions. We're chasing ambitious delusions. My 
my life's a sad affair my heart is aching breaking i don't know what to do sweetheart all on account of you you know you did me wrong come back where you belong and in this reason why i've got a right to cry That's Mose Allison going back to the basement. This is um, uh, Little Arcs, Little A R C S. Um, I'm playing these guys because they were uh, they were here last week and they played with uh, on the show that's after this, which is uh, regarding sex. But I, I'm not sure what goes on there. But they came in and played live and I helped them out to you know spots and mics and whatnot and I, I really dug them and this song is called isolation isolation so i don't know what it is but this is uh, little arcs off the first one record and the song's called isolation i'm touching that and the dots are going in a circular thing and the pause button came back always a good sign
Hey, that's the Doors, Hyacinth House. It is. Uh, we're going back to the basement. This is uh, Ken Cutler. Uh, Ken Cutler. I think he's from um, uh, Denver, I believe. The song's called Madison's Avenue. It's on YouTube. If you dig uh, um, Ken Cutler's Q, uh, <laughs> see you. Uh, uh, oh, let me. I think it's. I think it's Cutler. Here we go. Yeah, it is. It's C U T L E R Cutler. All right. Uh, let me turn this up. Going for that. This is Ken Madison's Avenue. I'm touching that. Pause button comes. Um, there he is. He looks like he's a.
It's Velvet Fog, Mel Torme, um, My Love, what the hell is that one called? Uh, 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 love Me or Leave Me. <laughs> That's right. That's what I uh, always say. <laughs> it works, too, because, you know, when you are when you give ultimatums, uh, what, uh, you know, what could go wrong? Uh, we're going back to the basement. Voodoo Kings sent me this a couple weeks ago. I... I um, Kind of missed it. This is Mike, Michael uh, Kranicki out of Boulder, Colorado, United States of America. The Voodoo Kings, if you dig this, look on SoundCloud. The song's called Sacrifices, Sacrifice We Make. It's up. I'm touching this. The Voodoo Kings. I'm touching that. The pause button. The dots. Always a good sign when the dots are there. It means that it's thinking about it, you know, not just gonna give you it but I think about it a little while
Welcome to High Spirits. On other days while coming home. What do you want me to do? To see you through. That was a little bit of American beauty there. Welcome to High Spirits. We are starting almost on time today. Hi, Spirits, uh, your show that's ostensibly about sobriety and... What was that word? Sobriety? The one before it. Ostensibly. What what does that mean? Like, presumably... uh, uh, What are you, you, a lawyer or something? Presumably, what's the other word? Ostensibly, apparently, it's apparently. You're going to talk to us with 25 cent words tonight, is that it? My co-host is here. Uh, Want to introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Pegasus. Pegasus, that's what, all right, Pegasus. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Pegasus, I'm your co-host along with Pegasus. My name is uh, Jay Quellen. Forgot for a second. You're here. You've joined us on High Spirits on MutinyRadio.fm. Sup, Jay? What's up, P? Um... It's just us in the studio today, which is actually a change of pace. Not such a bad thing. I think it's, uh, yeah, it's a good opportunity to just riff, and uh, Pegasus and I, we ain't seen each other for a while, uh, a.k.a. a couple days. Um, A.k.a. Uh, yeah, so... Um, we got a lot of catching up to do. Plus, we got this awesome packed show for y'all, and yeah... We're going to, I have some ideas of uh, some conversational things. I'll throw them out there, just things that have been going on and wanted to check in on <clears throat> some stuff I was up to uh, in the Tenderloin today Uh-oh. and some observations there. Um, so yeah, that's what's going on. Groovy. Just uh in a short time, we'll be there. 
I never took you for a Grateful Dead fan. Oh, yeah, Deadhead. Did you go to concerts and nope. wear tie-dye and drop acid? And I have one Grateful Dead t-shirt that I bought on Valencia Street at San Fran Cycle. Get out there, y'all. San Fran Cycle, support it if it's still in business. I don't even know if it's San still in business. San Fran San Fran Cycle, in this case. Yes, there's San Fran Cycle, too, which I think is uh, like a clothing brand or something that also made a beer in conjunction with uh, the brewery uh, Anchor Steam. Yeah, it's like one of those Dolores Park kind of, you know, T-shirt places. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, San Fran, with us. San Fran Psycho is on Dolores, uh, on Valencia around 20th Street, I think. It's near the Chrome uh, retail store, and they design and produce all their shirts in San Francisco, and they're all about bicycle themes. So <clears throat> the dead shirt that I have that I love to wear is uh, has a has a bicycle wheel with its spokes in the in the head, the ske- the, the skull, the skull. Whoa! So um, they make that all kinds painful. of bike related apparel. They even have apparel for like babies and two year olds and stuff. Um, I mean, are babies old enough to, you know, properly make that decision? Baby. Or are they being indoctrinated into the life of a deadhead? Achtung, baby. <laughs> Homage to those of you who listen to a certain podcast. Um, Pegasus, wait, what? What? What did you say? What, what? Homage to babies or? I have no idea what okay. you're talking about. All right. <clears throat> so San Francisco, cycle. But um, yeah, I love the dead, and uh, I think we talked about this. Uh, yeah, we talked about it a couple shows ago that there is a community of sober uh, deadheads that emerged right when the band, you know, was doing their thing, having all these concerts and all the followers and stuff. And they're they're called the Wharf Rats, and they have a sober corner, sober circle at every show, and they have their own meeting in San Francisco. Actually, um, I've so, been. Have you? Oh yeah, I. I I have actually. Well, I can say that I actually spoke at it once. That was the first time I ever went. Nice. And I and I did go again, and very friendly, and a lot of dead tattoos and stuff like that. Um, so interesting, yeah. If you're and some of that old time religion. Oh yeah, but this is like like the dead <laughs> religion, um, the religion of the dead. Yeah, people are like, uh, I'm a wharf rat, you know this and that. I I think it's cool. It's it's cool. Um, there's also, oh, that's, that's a topic, um, or that relates to something that I was talking to my sister about the other day, or she brought it up. She sent me an email. Um, actually, let me sit down. Um, give it, give us a second, folks. I'm going to put some music on while I get a chair here. Get back to the dead. Friend of the devil. First one say she got my Coming back at you. Here we go. Sitting down. Control from there also. 
sitting down, learning the learning the mixer from Pegasus, who is has a very high aptitude for the sound stuff in here. It yeah, it's all stems from Dane Bramage. <laughs> cool. So, uh, all right, welcome to High Spirits, ten eleven p.m. If you're up this late and listening to us, uh, I don't know what you're what you're doing on a Friday night, you know. Well, hopefully you're uh, stone cold sober, had a nice dinner, but maybe you plan to go out dancing, you know, at the Midway or something like that after midnight. I don't know what y'all night owls are up to, but speaking of night owls, I did. I was sort of thinking about Pegasus about uh, sharing. Today, a little bit about um, all the kinds of uh, fun things that I slash you slash we do and that people can get up to um, in the mission, you know, that oh. we're, you know, I'm not, I'm not drinking anymore and I have so much fun. I've, my, uh, my whole, uh, sort of social life is really the gravity has been the mission district for 15 years, basically, whether or not I lived in San Francisco and still come out every weekend when I lived in other parts of the Bay area. So I was just thinking about how much fun I've been having at different places, venues, um, spots, restaurants, and with friends in the mission. So I was just sort of thinking about, Hey, well, I'm having all this fun, not drinking, you know, it's, a place that one can go i mean i spend 98 percent of my non-home non-work time at in the mission um yeah exactly there you go i go to meetings there i meet friends for food and coffee there it's uh, there's a lot of the entertainment i go to i i go to the roxy alamo draft house uh various other cultural institutions and it's all right there um my neighborhood not as much attraction there so i'm i'm here all the time right the um, heart of san francisco and <clears throat> sort of i suppose a little bit on the edge maybe a little right off the edge of the mission um speaking of like night owls and getting up to fun stuff last night i was up late and needed to just sort of felt like I needed to eat something, even though I don't even know if I was really that hungry. That's first world problems. Um, and I was, you know, there's no late night eats in San Francisco. There's nowhere to go. I mean, it's un completely unsurprising when a restaurant closes its door at, at 9 p.m. Uh, yeah, exactly. You guys know, right? Unless you're in Australia or something. Yeah. Um, or Mozambique. But... Uh, yeah, stuff closes really early. You know, really what I recommend to people would be Beretta um, at, I think, 23rd in Valencia or Nopa, which is open, or Shea Mama. And those places close like uh, maybe 11, midnight, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, depending on the uh, the day, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or which restaurant. But definitely open much later than your typical restaurant and the quality of food there is very high. So it's not like going for some junky pizza or, uh, you know, no offense to taquerias, but I've eaten tons and tons and tons. But, uh, 
those are always good spots too, good value. But I did discover this place. I wonder if you know it, Pegasus. It's called It's Tops Coffee House. It's Tops. It's on Market Street. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Have you been there? Oh, many times. Oh, there you go. I mean, it's, it's my great. new jam. I mean, well, I hope it's my new jam. Like with, I suppose, really like my one friend who I would be hanging out with late at night, bullshitting, looking for a donut shop, like. We would, we would be going to Bob's or Happy Donuts. Happy Donuts is depressing AF. Bob's is great, but it's not really a place to like hang out. Um, but this It's Tops place, yeah, I've driven by it for many, many times, and I didn't know what it was. And I went in. It's a beautiful little diner. Um, and uh, yeah, so yeah. I got I got some of the bat best pancakes that I've ever had in my life. Honestly, I mean. It's a great breakfast place for sure. All all night breakfast. Um, Old school. It was eggs, o- eggs over yeah. easy sausage. Okay, there you go. Yeah, I had a malted vanilla shake and pancakes. Yeah, that's me, guys. <laughs> um, I do not cook, but uh, it was super tasty. The service was really great. Nobody was in there. Uh, they were just just. Uh, Flipping tiddlywinks. Um, and they're they're open till all hours. They said aren't three a.m. last night but i think on the weekend weekends i think they're open super late and they said they get really busy when the bars close yeah um but you know really good reviews and uh my my gut tells me that the food quality is pretty high for the greasy spoon um so i'm definitely going to go back but uh it's tops I was just cruising around. Everything was dead. And I suppose on a Thursday night at one thirty, I mean, even the, yeah, the bars are closing. So there's really nothing to do. Nope. Except, uh, go out for pancakes. Go out for pancakes on a Friday um, night. Yeah. Um, but, uh, back to, uh, the dead wharf rats thing. Um, that group that we have, that we talked about briefly before, um, that is, as I mentioned, the Wharf Rats are the a sober um, community of of deadheads. And uh, my sister sent me a really interesting email about uh, straight edge. Pegasus, do you know about straight edge? Just the term, or is there a group? Yeah, it's, yeah. Well, yeah. Tell me. I mean, so there's a term. What does straight edge invoke for you? What does it mean? To, what do you think it means, or what does it mean to you? Or have you used it? Or has anybody ever called you straight edge? Yeah, I've mostly heard it um, from, you know, people in their teens or 20s who had, uh, you know, had a bad experience with drugs or alcohol, kind of crashed and, you know, got in trouble with their family or the police or both. And then they, I, I, I didn't really, I wasn't really aware of, you know, programs at the time. So all I just know is that they kind of like made a vow to themselves to be straight edge, to be sober. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, like they would make jokes about, you know, etching the word straight edge on their, their forehead or something to remind oh, themselves. Oh, yeah. And so you do. Okay. It's like a really hardcore kind of associated with the, with the punk scene, but I, I hung out with, okay. you know, in the punk scene. That's it. You hit the nail on the head. That's what uh, she sent me information about straight edge, um, where it came from, connection to the punk scene. So uh, <clears throat> straight edge, uh, sometimes signified by XXX or X, is a subculture originated from hardcore punk. Oh, 
whose adherents refrain from using alcohol, tobacco, and other recreational drugs in reaction to the excesses of punk culture, subculture, just like the wharf rats, I think, in the dead culture. I wonder what other musical communities, like maybe the classical music community has <laughs> has a subculture of uh, acid trippers, you know, right? Like in response to how sober and stuffy all the classical music listeners are. I could totally be wrong. If you're a classical music listener and you're wild and you have insights, please call us at 415-550-0511. Set me straight. Uh, you don't have to implicate Pegasus in this judgment. Um, cla- I do think classical music people are so straight edge. I I think you will discover soon that that you are completely wrong. So I uh, just the the final thing is the term itself, straight edge. I had no idea. Um, was adopted from the 1981 song Straight Edge by hardcore punk band Minor Threat. Maybe we oh, can yeah. throw it on. Um, and wait, yeah, what am I wearing tonight? Oh, yeah. What are you? Minor Threat. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is insane. That's a, Hey, that's a coincidence if I've ever seen one. Oh, no, that's a God no. shot if I've ever oh, seen one. No, what go good there. orderly direction. <laughs> um, that is unreal. Pegasus is wearing a T-shirt with funk, punk bands, including Minor Threat. Minor Threat. I'm blown away. Um, oh, yeah. Could we cue up the, the song um, any, at some point? Like, it doesn't have to be now. But... Just be good to have a musical interlude at some point. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll play it when we take a break. Uh, at, at your discretion. Sure Minor enough. threat. Um, San Fran Cycle, Grateful Dead, Bicycle Spoke t-shirts, and my co-host Pegasus wearing the Minor Threat shirt as we're discussing the straight edge movement. So <laughs> they coined the term straight edge. And growing up, yeah, people talked about it in, in grade school, middle school, probably more in middle school and high school, like, oh, you're such a straight edge or um, really like that, people calling me straight edge. And I was a prep preppy guy, you know? Um, I was straight edge, but I I, I did listen to um, some mainstream punk music. Um, hey, does anybody remember the album Punks and Drublick? I don't even know if punk people consider that a punk, punk band. Um, and, uh, but... Uh, yeah, so people called me straight edge because I tucked in my sweaters and I got straight A's. But I had no idea, no one ever intimated or or suggested to me, my peers, that straight edge came from, uh, was a punk subculture of sobriety. I didn't even know it was associated with sobriety. I thought it was like like get, being a goody two-shoes. Well, I would say that in addition to, you know, being all fuck you to authority and and society in general, they were probably also fuck you to the sober community of Alcoholics Anonymous. You think so? Yeah, because that, that would also be too, you know, goody two shoes and square <laughs> okay. to them. So they had to pick their own name for it. Yeah. And they, they ha- it had to be punk. It had to be, you know, fucked up in some way. Um, you know, like, like you had to be completely straight edge. And if you even smoked, you know, took a puff off of a friend's cigarette um you you had broken your your straight edge yeah actually run. to to that point there was a counter counter movement that emerged called bent edge oh. and bent edge is that person who felt it was okay in the punk scene of straight edge subculture to um take that drag off the cigarette take that occasional puff also i just wanted to mention that there was a strong association with um 
the subculture of straight edge, even with you know participants or adherents to vegetarianism and animal rights and veganism and stuff like that. So that was fascinating to me. You know, I think of punks. I mean, I have some familiarity with the music, or I had some friends who were maybe into that scene. Um, I can't really say that I'm too expert at it, but I do somehow associate punks with like skinheads and intolerance and. I don't know why that is. Where did that come from? American History X? Is that where I saw that? Yo, or? fuck you. Yeah. Um, but I love, I mean, there's, uh, yeah, there's been great punk music that I've heard, such as Bad Brains. American History X came for a pretty long time after the punk. Where was the Sex it? Pistols punk? Uh, Sex Pistols. Um, oh, the Ramones. The Ramones. No? Yeah. I mean, technically, yeah. They're... They're kind Jackie's of pop, a punk. Judy's a punk. Da, 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 da. They even say punk. <laughs> They're pretty pop music. Okay. Uh, That's compared, what it is. Compared with is, like um, hardcore punk. Is Blink 182 punk? What? <laughs> is. Uh, Fuck you, uh, man. Rancid is punk, right? Uh, yeah. Not really. Oh, jeez. Never really checked them man, out. Have I been living a lie? <laughs> a big straight edge lie punk existed from like i don't know the mid 70s until like 1981 or 82 and everything that came after that they're all oh, posers post-punk they're posers they're you know like green day come on that's just a rock band that's posing well that's alternate alternative alternative you wouldn't believe how many people have said oh yeah i'm into punk i listen to green day and, and offspring I'm like, too fuck you i think people would say offspring they're like oh yeah but that reminded me of, yeah, so so basically, the other runts in the litter, the other kids I was growing up with, like the skaters and stuff who called me, well, they're not the only ones who called me straight edge, but it was it was wrong. It was, it was hey, not, straight edge. It was not used correctly because I'm not in the punk scene. <laughs> so I was getting called straight edge for no good reason. Maybe they were just kind of generalizing it yeah. to, to say that you looked... Great. Oh, and, yeah. A LGBTQR code. Um, <laughs> as opposed to, oh, boy, that's a whole thing. I listened to uh, the new Dave Chappelle Netflix special, which I think is like people, I think, have found it to be very controversial and offensive. Uh, and I will say that I really enjoyed it. And there is a whole thing about the LGBTQ community and stuff like that. And I went down the rabbit hole of like, what do all the letters mean? And um, then I discovered that today, the most comprehensive thing that I saw was LGBTQQIAA+. That was the most... That's currently the most comprehensive. Most inclusive. Um, yes. Before, you know, let's say it was just G or something, right? Or Q. And here's what I learned. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, um, queer or questioning, QQ. People have been um, using just the one Q and meaning questioning or meaning queer. This is what I read. And um, anecdotally from other people that I know. So QQ, double Q. Double Q. I is intersex. Mm -hmm. And A is asexual. And the other A is something else. But, oh man, in that I'm not including some other things. Such as pansexual, 
pan-romantic, a-romantic. There's so much stuff. I saw somebody on um, Hinge the uh, today that came up, uh, and um, the, the, there was something new and, and very timely, uh, having researched this, uh, the... Uh, all this stuff post Dave Chappelle controversial comedy set um, where he talks about, you know, the LGBT community. He says it's like the alphabet people or something like that. Anyways, I wanted to get more educated on um, what they all mean and how people like self-identify and stuff like that. Well, that's cool. That's a, that's a, that's, I think that's a smart thing to do. I mean, they're, they're, it's hard to be right about it all the time, but it's good to be just, you know, be open and uh, have an open heart. Um, Cause you know, a lot of people from communities of, uh, you know, from the queer communities, communities of color, they're, they're, they don't feel welcome. They don't feel like the, the world is necessarily open to them. And I think it's good to throw a little love their way and, you know. Oh yeah. The other, uh, one of the A's that's thrown in, in the comprehensive one is ally. Asexual oh, ally. ally. Mm. I, I was surprised. So that was oh, thrown that in the sense. mix. And the plus is like for everything that hasn't come out yet or hasn't been covered. Um, and uh, I will say, so on the heels of that, Dave Chappelle followed by going down the rabbit hole and learning about what the quote, you know, the community or the movement, you know, on the web is uh, how, how it, they're representing themselves um, maybe officially or branding or whatever. And then on the Hinge profile, this person had a comment about a romantic pansexual. So this person was, um, you know, said that they're looking for looking for love, a pansexual a friendship and an a romantic. I don't know, man. I was no confused. attachments. I was confused. They they want sex with everybody with no attachments. I don't know. Good for them. No, no, no. They were ace. Okay, asexual, pan romantic. I don't know. Anyways, so sue me, folks. Um. So yeah, so yeah, lots of different things, and then on the on that topic, you know, connecting it to sobriety. Um, there is uh, there are uh, meetings. All kinds of meetings out there, men's meetings, women's meetings, um, young people's meetings. And we meant the aforementioned uh, deadhead meetings, the wharf rats. And uh, there's uh, all kinds of meetings. Um, and also there are gay meetings. And there's places where um, people who are, you know, identify is gay or perhaps, you know, other members of the LGBTQ community have safe spaces and, and interest affinity groups around meetings. And I've gotten to attend, um, when I, when I was exploring the San Francisco scene, um, meeting scene, I, uh, I definitely put a lot of, I, I, I went to, um, um, one of the fellowships in the Castro and, and uh, tried out all these different kinds of meetings, including uh, gay meetings, and it was cool. Yeah, it's not not in my repertoire these days, but did you feel welcomed? Yeah, yeah. Over, I mean, my the short answer is yes. I think that, um, and you know, I guess, I mean, I suppose 
I mean, I identify, yeah, I identify pretty straight edge, <laughs> but, um, but yeah. Um, that doesn't mean what you think it means. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're just mixing malapropisms, just mixing stuff up, anachronisms, malapropisms. But uh, I did overall, yeah, I felt it was welcoming. I thought there was a lot of cool insights. I mean, dude, we're all, we're all human beings. And, but uh, of course there's unique stuff in uh different lifestyles and experiences and romance and all that kind of stuff and i there were definitely things where i didn't feel as uh didn't feel that some things were as relatable but a lot but mo i think mostly it was the kind of topics and things that came up were very familiar and relatable and it's all part of our broader community so it's you know it's it's just another meeting but it's really cool that there are all these interest groups in fact um yeah well um yeah so yeah it's uh there's there's meetings for everybody um in this town I including uh well aa is known for being very uh you know very much about uh having a higher power and there are meetings for people who don't have higher powers yeah. and that's a good thing yeah there's meetings in Spanish. There's oh, meetings yeah. in, uh, there's a, I think there's a Croatian meeting. Um, or yeah. Uh, anyways, there, there are meetings in a variety of different languages. There's, um, meetings for people of color. There's meetings for, um, right. For gay folks, for lesbians, for people who want to meditate, for people who, are Buddhist. Um, there's refuge recovery. There's life oh, ring, yeah, smart which is recovery, yeah. smart recovery, life ring, which is, I guess, sort of a cognitive behavioral therapy that comes with a workbook and stuff. And it's all, there's a lot to choose from here. And that's really kind of remarkable. I yeah. guess it's what you'd expect in 2019 oh, yeah. that there's, uh, just a lot to choose. You know, there's a, a, it's a big smorgasbord. You don't have to go with the one size fits all AA, um, you know, prescription of, you know, go to traditional meetings and, uh, you know, and stick with that program. You can choose what works for best for you. And, and you don't have to worry about whether other people will judge you for it because you'll be doing your own thing. Um, thanks for sharing about all those. Yeah. There's a lot of, I mean, um, yeah, all the different ways I was, I just, subjected one of my friends uh to well my roommate um who's a good friend um to just i just was we well we were in a discussion maybe i wasn't torturing him but he, he was a willing participant in and like hours long discussion about recovery and the program and my experience and other people's experiences and just all kinds of stuff and i mean he's a normie and uh we've talked about that normal people are not addicts and alcoholics, <laughs> but, uh, and have like a healthy relationship or just a low key relationship with that stuff. But, um, so it was, uh, really in depth and actually, um, super cool. Some, some cool things ca came up. Um, my mom says, do not repeat one thing too many times. Just make sure and remember, am I repeating myself? <laughs> <laughs> that's 
Um, she's listening. I think and- between the two of us, we've <laughs> gone back and forth oh. over some of the same territory a few times. Oh, yeah. that's what she's saying. Normies and Grateful Dead. Oh my God, she's such a she's an avid listener, and she's checking me right now. On- One of these days, we're going to work up an agenda before we sit down in front yeah. of the microphones. Yeah, we will. Um, and but just wanted to. Yeah, this is like a stream of consciousness today. But um, yeah, today talked about. We got into talking about, you know, does it work for everyone? How does it work? What else is out there? <clears throat> so, yeah, I think uh, my, I was talking about uh, rehab became <laughs> a big point, a focal point of the conversation. And I was sharing with him about all this stuff I've learned anecdotally about rehab. And um, I don't have any experience with it, but inevitably in the rooms and, and in this journey, in this wonderful journey of sobriety and recovery, um, you, you people have had experiences in uh, rehab facilities, whether they are community-based or private organizations, you know, nonprofit, for-profit, whatever. And um, I definitely have... A, I have a mixed feelings about the industry and um, all the offerings out there. And I was expressing that and he was like, Hey, you know what? A lot of what you're saying and talking about was is covered in a, in one of the John Oliver late night, uh, John Oliver, uh, you know, he has some show on HBO. Oh, he's that guy with the, uh, the fake British accent who claims to be from Great Britain. Yeah, I guess so. And was, on an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, um, actually. Oh, is uh, that show still produced? I, I don't know. I think they did a season nine or eight. I don't know if it's gonna. they're going to come out with another season. But um, So John Oliver did a really great... I hope you guys, if anybody's listening out there, <laughs> I hope uh, you guys will go look up on YouTube. Just look up the keywords, John Oliver Rehab. And, you know, he he pulls all these um, stories from, say, Vice or uh, Frontline and all these interviews that other people have done. And he, you know, he's really, it was a critique. I mean, it's an uh, understatement to say that he was providing a very strong rebuke and critique of what is a high, uh, an unregulated industry. So some of the fun facts he threw out was that there were 14,500 rehab centers across the United States. So, and that it's grown very rapidly over the last 10, 15 years. Um, And that the industry is a $35 billion industry in the country. Dude, we're totally missing out on this with what we know. Yeah. And um, (laughs) unfortunately, there are these traditions in, in the program that prohibit prohibit us presumably from making a profit off of um oh pegasus just passed me my Lacroix. and by the way thank you pegasus for getting me tots and ketchup <laughs> from our favorite spot and they're ex- especially crunchy even though they're at room temperature now yeah. they're even crunchier than than when they're hot out of the fryer well that's because we dipped them in shellac before oh, we brought them oh excellent over. Yeah. lacquer lacquer um oh on that note i got my first mani pedi in my life uh in in uh in the neighborhood oh last week when i was off for labor day weekend uh it just mentioned that because i think they put a clear coat or shellac or something 
on people's nails. And I was like, they asked me sort of with some trepidation and I was like, uh, no, I don't think so. I'm going to just go with, uh, no, no, uh, uh, veneer or, uh, shiny, whatever. So what you're telling us, you went all the way to the brink and then you said no, went to the brink. Um, so $35 billion industry and unregulated, and they really focused on all the unscru- unscrupulous operators out there, um, citing they they invo- um, showed us. You just got to go and watch it, but uh, advertising, yeah, yeah, we could play it, but it's a twenty-minute segment. Maybe if oh, we run yeah. out of things to do, yeah, we could play towards the end. Yeah, yeah, just the audio. Yeah, yeah. Um, for sure. If we decide to end early, we can just play that as our outro. <laughs> um, but uh, I have a tater in my hand right now, and I really just don't want to stop talking and just eat it. I'm salivating. But um, I'll just I'll just say that uh, the the rehab thing um, it it confirmed a lot of stuff that I had learned or gleaned anecdotally from compatriots and through. Um, work I've done, I think, you know, there's this whole thing called H&I, Hospitals and Institutions, and it's where you bring meetings into, not rehabs per se, I don't really know, maybe they do, but but to, no, actually, it's like to uh, veteran VA run meetings, uh, state prisons, federal prisons, recovery homes that are related to um, maybe some government related uh, diversion program or something like that. So mm-hmm. anyways, um, uh, what he cited, like all these interviews with all these people who came across as major douchebags that own these rehabs, like in Malibu and LA and, and, and that charge $70,000 one place, uh, apparently charges $70,000 per month. Yikes. Yeah. And <laughs> offers like, you know, he was, he was poking fun at things like equine therapy, high, I don't know, hydrotherapy, um, you know, yoga, all this kind of stuff. I mean, you know, all this stuff, I'm sure he was saying so many things can be therapeutic, but are they coming from an evidence-based, you know, approach? Um, And, you know, that's a whole, perhaps a whole other topic because, you know. Are you saying you would turn down a a hands-on prayer healing? Prayer healing? Would you? uh, Do they do that? I... I would assume it's out there having grown up uh, in a community that offered that sort of mm. thing. I'm, I'm, I would not be surprised to find wow. that there's a rehab yeah, center sure, that, right. that's faith-based. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Then let me Google that for you. They actually didn't talk about the, uh, the faith-based side, but, but basically they really, they really focused on these douchebags running these $70,000 rehabs. That's and, like two and a half grand a day. And, I mean that's that's more expensive than my habit was. Jeez. <laughs> Dude, I mean that's yeah, that's uh yeah. Um and you know, they're talking about no standards, uh no clinicians involved, um no regulation. Also that you know, what are the motives? You know, there's a profit motive um and that you know, maybe even there's there may be insidiousness in some rehabs to want people to relapse and come back and spend another thirty, forty thousand dollars on rehab. And it got me thinking about in this conversation with my roommate, 
what a desperate position that we're in, you know? And this ad comes on for a rehab and it says, why haven't you called us? Here's our toll-free number. You need to come here. We'll, we'll help you solve your um, alcohol and addiction problems. And um, I mean, I was thinking, wow, what a desperate situation. If I was sitting there and I was just just down and out, you know, I don't know, suicidal or crying or whatever, just hopeless. And I saw that and I called them and like, I really don't know what I'm getting myself into. Um, and then as a, as an exercise, I was just thinking about, um, how much money am I spending in the program? <laughs> you know, right. Well, so what's... Not, not a lot of money compared to $70,000 for 30 days. <laughs> and what I, what I came up with, okay, I, I, I will or won't go into the details, but okay. I'm just, I'm just saying somebody who came in and st has has stayed or has is you know sober for 30 years by my estimate has spent a maximum of $7500 uh, through through uh you know a seventh tradition of I'm I, here's what I was assuming $1 a meeting 5 meetings a week 50 weeks a year for 30 years plus a $10 big book the big book costs $10 okay but now I want to I want to have some caveats I'm not saying that we're in an evidence-based, you know, program, and I have researched PubMed periodically to try to understand. Um, I don't really concern myself too much with it, but I am interested in in learning about, you know, um, you know, doctors refer people to AA, judges in courtrooms refer people to AA, rehabs refer people to AA, the Salvation Army refers people to AA, you know, and it's sort of like you know, what is, what else is out there? And it's like, um, I know I'm all over the place, but it was just very exciting. Therapy is super important. You know, it, oh, sorry, it was important for me. I'll say that, mm. um, cognitive behavioral therapy, anger management, um, mindfulness meditation, Vipassana specifically, um, AA, um, all of this was like a full court press. I wasn't just doing one thing and man, that shit saved my ass, you know? And yeah. Yeah. And therapy was a big, big part of it. And I guess I would just through this whole conversation with my roommate and watching the John Oliver thing and thinking about the controversies that I feel in my heart about the rehab industry. Um, and, uh, and, you know, again, Hey, if any, if anyone has experience with that and is listening to us or has any comments, you know, call us at four one five 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 zero zero five one one and tell us about your rehab experiences. Maybe we should have somebody on, um, that has rehab experience. I figure I've spent about three grand over the past six years. Um, I, I tend to put a little, what, oh, like six, you're generous, three, like three or four bucks, uh, per meeting. Um, so I, I Googled, uh, re faith-based rehab mm. and first the ads come up and, um, I won't call out the names of the centers, but I'll, uh, I'll read some. Hey, of why their... not? Free speech radio. No, it's your your choice. No, I don't want to yeah. be connected. You know, oh, or have them calling us, or it's not like a, an endorsement or anything. You're so right, Pegasus. Yeah. So uh, get this: on the, the very first ad, it says same day admission is possible. Drug and alcohol rehab center in somewhere in California. Our location and exclusiveness is hard to beat. Maximum of six clients per resident. What does that mean exactly? Six. Six clients in a hacienda, like do you get your own separate, oh, private rooms, cell and laptop friendly, licensed and accredited, whatever that means. Luxurious private rooms, 
How Why nice. is it accredited? I wonder what that is. Insurance verification form to fill oh. out. Mm -hmm. That's uh, what John Oliver was talking about, too, is that he said that I look forward to digging in, into all of this, but I'm taking him at his word, folks, right now. And he said that under the Bush administration, that there was a lot of, I don't know if pressure is the right word, but policies instituted to get insurance companies to cover uh, rehab-related expenses. And, um, and then that was extended under Obama as well. This is what John Oliver said. So then he got into the whole thing about milking insurance or bilking insurance. And also he got into this whole thing about how much pee testing urine cups, urine analysis makes for, for rehabs. Um, there's this whole market with the testing companies and they're oh, making yeah. a ton of money. And yeah, anyways, uh, it's yeah. absurd. It's, uh, a, like just to get P testing done here in San Francisco, it, it can, you know, you can spend a hundred dollars. Wow. I, I think there's like bulk plans, but what's the, the, for me, the greatest cliche that comes to mind when I think about rehab is, is a, t a television cliche, a trope of, you know, the, the wealthy, uh, yeah. you know, kid from a family who's got his cell phone and he's ordering up Coke and weed, you know, while, while he's, you know, getting somebody else to pee in the cup for him and, you yeah, know, some Laguna beach, something totally. It's like a, you know, it's just sort of like a vacation, a freewheeling vacation for the wealthy. I, I do agree that that's like. a stereotype and a, and a prominent media representation. Yeah. I mean, I, I imagine that there's people who go to a rehab and they get a lot from it. Like, Oh yeah. I don't want to completely trash it. And I would love for somebody to call in and share about their positive or negative experiences. We do meet a lot of people in meetings in the Bay area who come from rehab centers. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of, um, I think state funded rehab centers and, you know, like uh, insurance funded and so these are for people who couldn't afford $70,000 for 30 days of, of rehab. These are people who, you know, desperately needed the help mm -hmm. and their Medi-Cal plan covered it or their, you know, whatever Ob Obamacare insurance plan they had covered it. And, and some of them show up and they get it. They get the idea of, of, of sobriety and, and, you know, doing whatever particular program they're doing and they you know and they keep coming back and some of these people have stayed in for years um, oh sure it's really nice yeah it's sort of like i think probably i can only imagine that one thing quote we would say in the community is like well whatever brought you in and whatever's working for you that's probably within um some ethical guidelines and doing no harm to other people and improving yourself like whatever works yeah. um yeah but i was thinking that uh I can only imagine that I, I, I'm just going to venture a guess that most of these rehabs or sober living experiences are 12 influenced by the 12 step programs or 12 step based. I mean, I've definitely seen that they encourage their clients, participants, members to go out to meetings, you know, get, get slips signed, things like that. So, so they are putting some faith in stock in the program. And I, I've also seen in my limited experience going in to do service work that, uh, there are counselors like LCSWs, license, uh, something social workers, social workers. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, and MFTs and, and <clears throat> other people who are encouraging that as well. 
and offering, I think, counseling and therapy and other supportive services. Uh, yeah. Um. But I, I also heard, I mean, I don't know. I've just like, I suppose that I have formulated this opinion. This is my opinion um, based on whatever information that I have that there is this dark side to it. And I guess, I mean, I'm just, yeah, I'm just sharing about what's, what, where I'm coming from. And I suppose I do have this kind of like, I, I could be wrong, um, but like this, this militancy, <laughs> Pegasus won't be surprised. I think that's sort of like, you got to just come into the program and keep your head down and do this thing. You don't need to go to rehab, whatever. I'm not going to share that. I'm not going to be, I don't want to be intolerant. I want to be loving and accepting and but I, that's somewhere in the back of my mind, if I'm completely honest, you know? I think some like, people need a lockdown. They need to be locked down right. to, to lose the access, right. the ready access. That's a good point. And, and in some of the programs, uh, I don't want to mention any names, but, you know, there's a couple of really prominent ones here in San Francisco. And okay. uh, one of them, they do put you on lockdown for 30, sometimes 60 wow. days. and you know, no access to phones or the internet. Um, I think supervised access to the internet to send email to your family. Um, but no going outside, uh, you know, you're pretty much just confined to quarters and then, you know, then they let you off it and boom, you can go out to meetings for a couple of hours. It's neat. Right. Yeah. No, when you mentioned that, actually, I think to myself, like I could definitely, I mean, even today (laughs) in my life, or irrespective of sobriety, I could use a lockdown where I'm not glued to my phone. So I, I see great benefits for that uh, re- or, from recovery or otherwise about being present and connecting with what matters and not having distractions and not being around unsafe environments. So you make a good case there. Yeah. Where's your willpower, son? Oh, man. I know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Whoever, whoever and wherever you are out there, you got to watch this John Oliver thing and Pegasus. You got to watch it uh, because he also has this hilarious ad from the 1980s with a very young Brandy Carlisle saying that she just, just quit. I just quit. And then he comments that like after the ad, she was like on Coke for 20 years <laughs> and, and was like, I'm surprised I didn't lose my nose. I'm just like horribly, you know, paraphrasing Ouch. or not so horribly paraphrasing John Oliver's like, I'm not even into a show, but I love that because I love the topic. But uh, yeah, being on lockdown, I can see that. And from my own personal experience, I mean, I do share on rare occasion that my, ex- my quote, rehab type experience or lockdown experience was that my dad played the, the biggest role. Um, I had a lot of support from some friends, sisters, some friends where I was, and, and definitely... Um, an inner circle sort of tight knit group that was really helping me out when I hit bottom and was trying to get my act together. And, um, in a very, you know, yeah, desperate situation and had to really be, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, but my dad was like the biggest part of that. And really like my dad was my lockdown and rehab. He was like my warden. Um, he kept his eyes on me 24 seven for, I think, a week to 10 days, maybe up to 10 days, 24 seven. I mean, we slept in the same room. He chaperoned me to, he came, he took me to my first meet, my first uh, one, two, three, four meetings. And, uh, he didn't know anything about what was going on, but it was advised to us. So he brought me to that. 
I would go for a swim. Hydrotherapy. I was going for a swim because I love that. And he took me to the pool and stayed there. And he was just like, I'm not letting you out of my sight. And I suppose it was unspoken, but now learning about this condition and the solution and the problem, I look back and I think like, dude, I would have drunk. I would have drank, you know, oh, yeah. that was my yeah. rehab, you know, uh, and we couldn't afford it. You know, he looked into it because he thought he might have to go back from work. He didn't know how much time he could take off from work to look out for me. Mm -hmm. And so he did research it and he was like, I think he found something that I don't know what the duration was, but it was like $10,000. And he's like, oh, dude, we can't afford that. <laughs> so so he's like, all right, I just talked to my boss and I got 10 days. and 10 days off work. And then, and and then we're going to figure out your stuff. And we did. And then I actually moved back home in with them, which was, that was my sober living environment because my parents don't really drink. Oh, your parents don't party. Uh, they definitely don't. Uh, they have never partied. Really? <laughs> um, I mean, I think my dad in his youth, I shouldn't say that. My dad in his youth before like marriage and family, I, I'm sure he had fun like with his family, brothers, cousins, um, and you know, uh, that kind of stuff. Like maybe having some smokes, drinking, whatever. But, um, but he like, yeah, I've never seen, I suppose I've seen him party at weddings like enjoying dancing and stuff like that but i'm not even sure that he would have been one drink deep at those weddings so it was a really safe environment for me so no it's actually interesting musing about this topic that i think is controversial or this industry because that was my equivalent oh i see was sort of like my family uh looking out for me bringing them back into the fold into the home and that was a safe environment and i stayed there for quite a while <laughs> like i was there for years Oh, is that right? Yeah, I was at home for years, oh. and maybe I probably could have left after a year, <laughs> but... but Well, you took it seriously, it sounds like. Yeah, you know and what? Your family took it seriously. That's great that you had that kind of support. Not everyone, not that's everyone true. gets that. No, that's true. I have to be grateful for it, and absolutely true. You hear all kinds of horrendous situations that people have come from, and I just don't know how these people... The insurmountable odds, I don't know how these people are so courageous and get it and work hard and have that you know some people divine inspiration or self-inspiration or inspiration from your our fellows um you know people hit their bottom sometimes their families have had enough of them and they ju they're just like you're out get out of here and they realize oh i'm at the end of my rope i've got no no support no money no family i've got to figure something out here and so out of desperation people start getting it um you know, that's basically the situation I was in is, uh, I, uh, I had hit bottom and wasn't, um, uh, you know, I kind of made myself, uh, un, undesirable, uh, to family and friends. And so I, <laughs> I needed to get, uh, I needed to figure it out on my own. And I, and I did, you know, sometimes we do that too. How about a little musical interlude? How about is this a uh, straight edge? Yeah, great.
Oh, hey, guys. Massive attack. Oh, wait, minor threat. Minor threat. <laughs> Massive attack or minor threat? Ooh. So uh, we're back. Thanks for listening to that. That is the origination of Straight Edge, and thanks to my sister for introducing me to that, and thanks to Pegasus for confirming, um, because Pegasus lived through that. I also just want to... <laughs> my mom is texting me. She loves the show. She listens to it. I... Hopefully she's not our one and only listener, but I suppose that would be fine because she just said, in addition to do not repeat one thing too many times, um, she did say, love you tons, mom, but nice topic. Both of you today, I admire the talk show. Very nice. Thumbs up emoji. Cool. Uh And she also said, this is like, I suppose emotional or I have to be grateful. She said, it has been therapeutic for myself listening to you guys because i'm learning a lot about you know the serious topic that you guys are covering um so that's uh i won't well, read, i won't read the rest of it mom. shout out to jay quillen's mom yeah that's Sh- cool shout out to stephanie Sh- well shoot i'm blowing cover there oh uh, my god shout out to who uh, that was a shout out to model 167b Sorry, one six seven eight, and uh, shout out to um, Madison, and shout out to Shadow Lady, Lady, Shadow Lady, and Bob. Bob, shout out to Bob. Bob, um, uh, we're the only ones here tonight. And shout out to my friend in Austin if she's listening. If you are listening, just as we talked earlier, uh, you might not be. It might be too late. The number to call in, friend from Austin who we may identify if you call in at your discretion. The number to call in is 415-550-0511. Call us and, uh, hey, talk to us about uh, your experiences with um, with uh, booze and the powdered booze and all that kind of stuff. I think we're down if we... Are we still... Oh, interesting. But then I think you we lose us. Then we're now we're gone. No, no, that's just that board. Oh, we're we're still on. Oh, great. Yeah, I mean, every show I've been listening to has has had this. I thought it was just us. It's. I wanted to talk to the station folks about that actually, um, but it's uh, bad wiring, I would say. Okay. Well, or, or some blown component in one of these ancient Altec thanks Pegasus mixing boards. Well, I, at some point we got to hunt, hunt it down and eliminate the cause. Oh, you're right. That's great, because that controls... Yeah, I gotcha. Oh, man, that is so good, because, yeah, I've been listening to these. Um, I guess while music's playing, it doesn't yeah. know, it doesn't matter as much, and we can just turn that, that those sliders down when we're not listening to music, which is most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so... So, we were talking rehab. No, just, like, yeah, support from family, um, rehabs versus, you know, DIY... <laughs> This was a DIY rehab. That's what that was. That's basically what happened. Um, Cost-effective DIY bootstrapped rehab, and I have to be grateful for it. And I am not. I have to be. I am. Um, And so that was something of interest. And also, I was. um, I've been hanging out in the. Shall we switch gears a little bit, or? Yeah. Oh, I was just uh, flipping through a list of celebrity oh, there you go. celebrities that have gone through rehab, 
And it's an entirely unsurprising list, like, you know, names that you would expect to be on it are on it. <laughs> Dennis Rodman, Gary Busey, Heidi Fleiss, Jamie Foxworth, Jeff Conaway, uh, 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 Lisa D'Amato, Mackenzie Phillips. I mean, you know, people. This is this is public information, folks. Public information. <laughs> um, it's not like you have to engage in a, a request for information. What is that called? Public information request that people have to do to the government when they want documents that are sealed. FOIA request? Yeah, something like that. Freedom, freedom, oh, freedom of, of Information Act, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and that came up in John Oliver, too. Uh, he was saying that, like, it's very hard to access any complaints that have been made against rehabs and that, that you would actually, I'm taking him at his word, folks, again, that you would have to do that freedom of information, whatever request, and wait months to get all these documents and sift through them to find out, you know, any negative experiences people have had or reported. Uh, um, I'm taking him at his word. Oh, from the FDA or something along those lines? F SIPC, F FINRA. <laughs> this is like all these SIPC, uh, what, FDIC. Well, you know, they're a comedy. John Oliver is a comedy program, but they they do actual journalism and research. And it's, um, you know, sometimes they, I mean, it's they always dig up something funny, but it's also sad and depressing news as well. They, they do their research. They dig and they, they come up with stuff and they... Uh, I don't know that they've ever been involved in a, a lawsuit over a FOIA request that was denied by the government, but it wouldn't surprise me to learn that they got have. it. Okay. Okay. Anyways, uh, what are we shifting gears? to? Oh, well, I was going to say, I'm just thinking about basically like what's been on my mind or what I've been up to recently. And, um, inevitably guys, it all relates to recovery, <laughs> everything, um, my whole hey, my whole life is predicated on recovery. Um, so I uh, I've been what's all the commotion out there? Hey, it's prob it's probably a bunch of drugs. <laughs> like um, it's but, Friday night in the mission district. It's Friday night. Na, 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 na. What a night. <laughs> um, so I was uh, I've been nights. hanging out in the TL weekly doing some uh, community service. Tooting my horn, toot toot. Um, Oh yeah, you know what? I'm I'm actually gonna say that I think it's good to some people are like community service volunteer toot your horn shamers, and I actually think that like if you don't if you're not too pompous about it or really at all, but you're sharing it um, with people when it's relevant that it's actually good because you may actually inspire other people to engage in community service. Cause in this, in San Francisco, I mean, well, anywhere, but I well, maybe not anywhere. I mean, San Francisco, we have a big drug problem. Um, and, uh, and the TL's like not looking that good. And I, I suppose it hasn't been for a long time. And I don't know, people say that it's all getting worse or whatever. I don't know. That's what I hear, but I'm hanging out there of late weekly and, um, I'm uh, I'm starting to snap some photos as well. Just just happened organically, so I think I'm just going to continue doing that. Um, just uh, engaging in my observations, musings, sharing that um, maybe on 
on social media or with friends and stuff because it's just giving me some pause but it's, it's interesting to see all the stuff that's going on and there's like there's hella hip coffee shops in the tl there's great restaurants there's also people hunched over sleeping on the sidewalk there's at least a couple 24-hour diners in, okay. in the tl well and i guess the tender knob oh really um yeah there's the pine oh pine yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah i don't sorry i don't remember i didn't mean to cut you off i don't remember the name but i know that one that's the one that's getting closer to like the quote hotel district yeah. in square yeah yeah and, yeah night owl or something is nearby i think um Yes, I have been there once. Blast blitzed. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so hanging out there, walking around, just spending some time. I went to um, last week when I was there for my commitment. I uh, I made the mistake of driving. It was a huge mistake. Huge mistake. Where would you park it? Yeah, I parked it. I found one space. I was circling around for half an hour. Uh-huh. And I found one space. It was metered put money in the meter and it was only good for two hours. So I stepped away from my commitment, went to go repark the car, spent another half hour looking for a spot. And I ended up parking in the same spot. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, well, if they chalk my tires, I hope it rubbed away. (laughs) I was just, it got me thinking about like, well, how do they assess? You know what? Okay. So here's my question. Do they chalk tires anymore? Well, okay. I have a number of questions. If it says two hours only at this meter, right? I put the money I moved it at two hours. Now can I go park at another meter on the same block? Can I park in another meter on the same street? Can I circle around for half an hour and park at that same meter? You know what? I don't get I don't get it for another two hours. Talk to a meter maid. Find out. Lovely Rita, meter maid. Where would I be without you? Dee 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 doo doo da da dee dee dee. So um so then I Made the mistake of parking, but that gave me some flexibility when I had some time after the commitment. I had some time on the meter. So I went to Shalimar, one of my favorite restaurants of all time. Um, and man, walking through the TL, going to Shalimar, yeah, I saw all kinds of stuff. Um, there's a lot of community centers and, and outreach and stuff as well. You see that, a lot of buildings. There's also like all kinds of crazy liquor stores, um, restaurants. Obviously, housing, all kinds of different housing, um, people do all kinds of different people on the street. I saw, I see, I suppose I shouldn't be surprised, but now having spent some a couple months there weekly, I see drug dealing happening in broad daylight at all the at all these intersections. Oh yeah, I'm seeing the guy. I'm walking, I'm walking past at the intersection with one guy who has a wad of cash in his hand. And the other guy who just got the product, right? I'm just walking between them, just minding my own business, you know? It's It can be an open-air drug mart there. It's kind of amazing. I mean, depressing, too. It's, uh, yeah, there's some dedicated drug addicts living right there in the TL. But you know what? Talking to my mom, I've been talking to everybody about recovery and sobriety and addiction lately. Talking to my mom earlier today... She mentioned something interesting on on that note, and that was, I was telling her about my experiences in the TL, and she has some familiarity with it, but obviously she's like, I don't know, she's probably spent like an hour in the TL in her life. But but, um, she was saying, well, what about 
What about the Truffle Man in Dolores Park? You know? The Truffle Man in Dolores Park has Yelp reviews. He has like five stars on Yelp. He's a drug dealer. <laughs> you know? Like, Wait, truffles aren't drugs. No, these truffles are drug-infused truffles. The the Truffle Man is 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 selling has been selling for a decade, as far as I know. Um, drug truffles. Uh, hey, I'm not saying I know from personal experience. Okay. Oh, you're talking about uh, chocolate truffles. Not, yeah, like not the fungus. Yes, yes, correct. Yeah, yeah, ah. chocolate truffles that are infused with, well, perhaps psilocybin and perhaps uh-huh. mescaline and perhaps uh, MDMA and perhaps uh, THC. Um, well, if he has a positive Yelp review, then he know. has like guys go look at the truffle man in Dolores Park on Yelp. He's positively reviewed. That guy's a drug dealer. You know, why am I ma- why am I angry at these drug dealers in the TL? This guy is drug dealing with impunity in Dolores Park. I'm just saying this. I'm yeah, I'm just sparking this, you know, question like, yeah, because there's classes of drugs and there's socioeconomics behind who gets to use it? And and the police turn, you know, are, are fine with all the well, ne'er-do-wells in, in Dolores Park consuming any drug that they want to be, drinking, open container. Oh, often they're like young tech bros and tech yeah. ladies uh, and me. hanging out and having their San Francisco experience where they're, you know, they're getting blasted in Dolores, famous Dolores Park, Upper Playground, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Like, uh, like they're having that, like people come from all over the world to experience San Francisco and there they are getting to sample the best from the truffle dude. Dolores Park, drug central, just like the TL. Oh, my mom asked, she says, where is shadow lady and Madeline? And Bob. Madison. Only you and Pegasus. Sorry, she sounds disappointed. Oh. <laughs> like, well, you know, it is good having hearing those other voices. They're uh they do bring something. And to the uh, show. she says, Oh, she my parents, I took them to Dolores Park like a year ago and and my dad was just fascinated. We we spotted the truffle man. We were at a higher vantage up higher on the hill, and he was just doing his thing, and my dad was like, Whoa, really? And um, and we were obviously like we were at the top on the bench getting the great view and people were all smoking pot. And um, and I was just joking around with my dad and then, oh, that's the truffle man. And I explained things. And um, yeah, my my mom asked where the other regulars are. And then she also says in Dolores Park, regular people are doing all the drugs, including tech pros. I think she meant tech bros. And doctors and businessmen with truffles and drugs. <laughs> I took a video and I took pictures of it, of the truffle man. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. My, my parents, Investigative journalist. My parents took all kinds of pictures of the truffle man because they were so fascinated. How funny. With him like just cool. impu- dealing with impunity. But you know what? I mean, then, of course, it's like, I don't know, man. Somehow, whatever is happening in the TL seems bad and sad. And whatever's happening in Dolores Park we, seems fine. Is it? Yeah. Is that because? Is that a classist thing? Is it a socioeconomic thing? Oh. We don't. We don't like the people who are, you know, buying the drugs in in the TL. So we're less likely to, you know, to express that kind of libertine philosophy towards them. Well, I think you know what I gotta say. There's gotta be something. Look, I'm just shooting from the hip. I I'm living life by the seat of my pants. I'm 
uh, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about, but there's got to be institutional racism, classism. There's all this stuff going on. But I do think after thinking about this and talking about it with my mom and roommate today, I do think we're also talking about the actual drugs which are being consumed. You know, my impression is that in the TL, you're probably looking at heroin and meth primarily. Mm-hmm. And in Dolores Park, you're probably not looking at heroin and meth. Oh, that's a good you know? point. And so I do think that while I'm sure that all this stuff has to do with all kinds of oppression and racism and stuff, uh-huh. I think that's probably the big delineator in this to- in this sort of situation. No, that's a good situation. point. There's probably a fair amount of weed and... Uh, the happy mushrooms, drugs. weed, mushrooms, maybe peyote or mescaline. Yeah. Um, badger, 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 mushroom, mushroom, mushroom. Remember that was like the first meme. No idea what you're talking uh, about. It was like a flash animation. Okay. Um, hey, dating myself. Yeah. Dating myself too, because I can't get any dates out there. Um, four one five 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 zero zero five one one. You're listening to High Spirits on MutinyRadio.fm. Give this man a date. Oh, yeah. Jay Quellen <laughs> needs it. Needs the love. So, uh, yeah, experiences in the TL. So, just lots of interesting stuff. There was a guy who, um, a couple of weeks ago, I saw, had, like, you know... Uh, something like a tinfoil hat on, legit, and then was crouched over doing stuff with his bike, which was placing bagels with cream cheese like in the spokes of the bike, in addition to tassels and other colorful things. Well, that seems like a you know an efficient way to transport your bagels. Yeah, coffee meets bagel, y'all. Um, so I was like, yeah, okay, well, there's something going on with this guy. I don't know. I just. I just shoot from the hip. I'm like, it's schizophrenia or something. Whoa. What is that a picture a of? A friend of mine took a wow. picture of, of this oh. contraption in a park in the mission recently. Okay, I'm I looking. I'm pretty, pretty sure it wasn't Dolores, but it starts over here. What is that? It's uh, That's like a foil-lined uh, like cigar holder or something that go, it's, that's going into an airline like one of those little air airline you know booze bottles oh yeah and and so there's one two three Mm. four five six seven eight (laughs) nine of these little airline you know one shot bottles that have holes drilled in them that are screwed into each other and then sealed and it's like the ouroboros of of crack pipes or something it was just the most uh unusual looking contraption and what what was it for is it was it for crack or meth or heroin it's really hard to tell but it looked like it looked like it was constructed with care and precision like every joint is drilled with some what looks to be a drill and then sealed over with some kind of electrical tape that's wow unusual that is yes (laughs) that is interesting it's like Seen on the streets of San Francisco. Anyway. I hope all of you listeners at home were able to visualize. Uh, Pegasus is quite good at Pictionary. Uh, or wait, what is it? Not, uh, charades, right? 
or I don't know. Wait, what is it? Life is but a charade. <laughs> um. Oh, all of let's see. Life is all of life is on this stage, and we are but the players. No, wait, I'm mixing up. Is my... that some Shakespeare stuff? Shakespeare. Um. So. Hey, Shakespeare was a drug addict. I'm just going to start spreading all this bullshit, you know, right? Like, yeah. hey, like all this misinformation, Alex Jones-esque stuff, like, me, me, la oh, shoot, whoa. Well, I heard the Bush, the Bush family was deep into the cocaine business. Oh, yeah, you They're know. Practically and, a cartel themselves. You know, hey, Dems, Republicans, it's all it's all the same thing. The Kennedy family was bootlegging whiskey from Canada. I did actually, like, apparently I fact-checked that at some point and found out that I think it wasn't true, but I could be, I could be wrong. Was it true that Trump's, was it Trump's father or granddaddy owned, owned and operated a, a brothel in British Columbia? Uh, I don't really. Yeah. Oh. Uh, that, that's, <laughs> I mean, that, 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 I I work with a handful of Canadians, and um, they were very, you know, when, whenever I brought up uh, what's his name, the mayor of Toronto, the Boris was, Johnson. Oh wait, no. Uh, uh, John Ford was it? Um, who was a he was a drug addict and eventually died of. I don't think it was, I think he died of heart failure. Anyways, he, um, they, they would immediately bring up Trump, Trump and repeat some trope they'd heard about him. Like oh, his got it. grandfather, like the family business, real estate empire got started with a, oh, boy. a hotel in BC that was, uh, that was operated as a brothel. And, um, that's where the family fortune began. That's how, that's how it all started. Anybody with money out there, guys, they were operating just vice businesses, you know. You got to look out for that. <laughs> okay, so if you're just joining us, you know, we're just being a little tongue-in-cheek here. Um, but, uh, yeah, throwing out the... Uh, I forgot where I was. but um, Yeah, so back to the TL. Really good, really good coffee spots. Um, all the... UC Hastings is out there, so you got all the, the like, uh, wide-eyed, you know, law students who don't know any better living in that stuffy-ass tower um, between Civic Center and TL. And uh, then you have all the civil servants, the federal employees, the people, Civic Center. I was like, why? Why is all this stuff happening next to the... Civic Center, um, I wonder. And then they have their farmer's market like every day in the midst of all that craziness. Oh, uh, in... In the, Civic Center. The Civic Center. Yeah. Sort of on the edge. And... Pretty good farmer's market. Yeah, it, the veggies looked looked really good. Um, so, yeah, I'm just walking around, taking the bus... Just a uh, man on the street in the TL. I'm so special. Well, here it is in Wikipedia. Sorry, I'm jumping back to oh, the cool. Trump yeah, family. Oh, cool. Yeah, no, please. Um, Frederick Trump, uh, born... Trump, by the way, that they changed to Trump. Born... Trump. Friedrich Trump, uh, born in 1869, lived to 1918, was a German-American businessman and the patriarch of the Trump family. Um... 
uh, born in the kingdom of Bavaria and blah, 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 was a, allegedly made his fortune by operating restaurants and brothels in Seattle and the mining town of Monte Carlo um, and brothels in the Klondike Gold Rush. He later returned to Kallstadt and married. Bavarian authorities accused him of emigrating when he was too young to avoid fulfilling his military sentence. Yada dada. Anyway, so that's the um, that's the rumor. Allegedly is the allegedly. Yeah, is the uh, the adjective. So who the heck knows? Um, <clears throat> yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that guy. Um, I try to stay out of it, man. I just keep <sighs> I just keep my head down. Yeah, I'm uh, definitely excited to be getting involved in 